Matt Whitaker, former U.S. acting attorney general. This is such a great conversation about America, our future, what's going to save our republic. We have a great football player. Matt Whitaker is here. Matt. They tried to bury me. They didn't realize I was a seed. Former acting U.S. attorney general. Under President Trump. I'm going to be an unwavering supporter of law enforcement. Welcome to Liberty and Justice with your host, Matt Whitaker. Today's episode is sponsored by Save Missouri Values Pack. Welcome to Liberty and Justice. I'm your host, Matt Whitaker. Uh, you can catch our premiere every Friday, 7 p.m. on CPAC Now. You can watch every episode at whitaker.tv. Make sure you sign up for our daily newsletter. And uh, we're available anywhere that good podcasts are distributed. But I'm joined with my friend Brett Tolman today. Brett, how are you? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Good. Brett and I were U.S. attorneys together in the Bush administration. We've worked, uh, we've battled side by side on a lot of things. The first time we ever met, I called you on the phone looking for your help with some immigration, multi-state immigration enforcement. I think it was like yeah, Monday yeah. Night Football. And we had a great conversation <laughs> and became fast friends. So, you know, you uh, did, you keep getting better with age and I don't. That's the, that's the real challenge. <laughs> I have, I have a little more hair than I used to, and uh, you you went more streamlined. Yeah, well, it does reduce wind drag, and so I'm faster than I ever have been. Uh, what I found out today is I'm not necessarily as fast in the airport as I anticipated. So um, thanks for being patient. Uh, we're starting a few minutes late, and I want to jump into it. But I think uh, since this premieres on Friday, you know, we... Uh, this week, we're seeing some Supreme Court rulings. Uh, today, which is Thursday, we had the um, New York City Gun and Pistol Club case come out. Uh, I saw you were on Twitter uh, talking about that. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about that case and what it means for, you know, sort of Second Amendment rights? Yeah, you know, the, the Bruin case is an important case, and it's surprising that it's lasted as long as it did. There, you know, the New York passed a law in 1913 where they indicated that if you wanted to carry in, uh, in, in New York City, you were going to have to show that you had more than just the you know, reason to defend yourself. You had to have an additional reason that justified you having a concealed carry and you know pretty outrageous given that the constitution is it's it grants an affirmative right in the second amendment this flips that the new york law flipped that on its head and required the burden to be on the citizen to show that there was extra reason why they you know required it so i i was not shocked by the decision six to three i i was a little um i guess uh amused by president biden's statement on it yeah, and i'll never forget why don't you tell me a little bit of I mean, yeah I don't think I'll, I'll ever forget seeing a, a sitting president say about a Supreme Court decision that it was inconsistent with common sense and the Constitution, the Constitution. when <laughs> this was, in fact, the most common sense decision you could come up, to, up with and, and the most consistent with an amendment that grants rights of the Constitution. So, I mean, Biden's out of touch for sure. But Matt, I, I saw that and I thought, you know, the left doesn't care about any of the merits or the law or, or the, the, you know, the logic of the argument. They only care about winning on a gun rights issue. They want to ban a gun or they want to, you know, pass a, a law that regulates that right. And 
that's just you know troubling to me, um, and it should be to, to to many conservatives across the country. Right, and and I I keep saying, and I, I I'm certain you are going to agree with me, but I keep saying that this design of the of the Constitution, um, you know, they can change it if they want to put you know some uh, further firearms restrictions. They could go do the hard work of passing mm-hmm. a constitutional amendment, getting it ratified. Same thing with uh, you know abortion, same thing with many uh, issues that they just disagree with the Constitution, but what they can't do is this executive order or these kind mm-hmm. of you know this you know kind of legislative actions that are inconsistent with the Constitution. And you know I really think um, you know this is where I'm proud of conservative legal thought and you and I kind of have been part mm-hmm. of that movement. Uh, you know, I think Justice Scalia is sort of was on the on the forefront of that as well. That you know that that kind of put it back in the constitutional box. And I think you know one of the cases I'm excited about that's still on the docket, I believe, is the West Virginia versus EPA case, which could be the opinion that I think gets to uh, the the major issues doctrine, which you know essentially says these bureaucrats can't regulate everything. You know, OSHA case. Mentioned, Gorsuch mentioned it in concurrence. I got excited mm-hmm. about that. I think this EPA case. I was talking to Attorney General Morrissey about it. I think you know that is going to be at the heart of this case, and you know we're going to get to the point where Congress and the President can only do so much. You know, if you want to uh, actually regulate an area, you need to pass a specific law that in, you know gives that power instead of just these broad mm-hmm. grants of power that that uh, you know, are used for vaccine mandates and, and everything else. Well, I, I think what you raise is not spoken about uh, often enough. The fact that the Democrats, the left, have decided they're no longer going to try to do that heavy you know, labor, that, that work that you have to put into it if you want to change a fundamental core you know, part of this country, the Constitution or our laws. Instead, they'd, they'd rather apply you know, the pressure of the mob against yeah justices of the Supreme Court or the pressure of the mob against police, the pressure of the mob against, you know, local leaders, school boards. And you see that pattern happening over and over. And because they've figured out that's a that's a way for them to get what they want without having the support of the majority of this country. And and I don't think I've ever heard anyone sort of capture it like you did. I like that a lot. And, and I'll be looking to maybe you know, Please share that with it. folks. You know, I will yeah. give you. I'll give you credit. <laughs> Please repurpose. You know, I've been often accused of a lot of things, but never being a legal giant uh, in by any means. But I am a common sense Iowan that uh, sort of sometimes, yep. you know, like you, we got to start with first principles, and you know, it's the constitutional yeah. structure that we have. It's the powers, you know, enumerated powers, the rights that were, you know, that are protected. And I think we're finally getting back into that, uh, where it makes sense now, because you and I are about the same age. We went to law school, and many of these cases that are kind of being reversed or being trimmed up and rationalized to make it coherent, uh, we used to scratch our heads. I mean, I I remember I spent, you know, we spent a week in con law doing Roe v. Wade, and it never made any sense as to the logic and reason. It really, I think, convinced me that these judges can do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. And, and as long as they make it convoluted enough, there's really nothing anybody can do about it. 
Yeah, and, and that's an important point is the fact that, you know, the decisions come out and if they have manipulated and wordsmithed their way into, you know, reversing or taking, you know, more authority than they really have, you know, we have to deal with it. But now you have a Supreme Court that is really giving a lot of credibility to states' rights. And I'm fascinated to see the turn in this country to allow the states. And and, and quite frankly, it's, it's frustrating and discouraging to see that we're going to have riots you know, before the Dobbs, uh, you know, yeah. decision and after the Dobbs decision. And, and, and that's going to be their answer to what, you know, to try to change the, the, the law again. And sadly, they still don't acknowledge the, the basic premise of that decision and what the Supreme Court's going to decide, which is the states get to be the ones who pass yeah. law you know, in this area. And, and, you know, if you, if you are in a liberal area and that state wants to allow for, you know, abortion rights, then they'll be able to do it. Um, it's just not a nationally recognized right. And, and that should, should be a safeguard, you know, from, from the court making rights that are not enumerated in the constitution. So I, yeah, I hear you on that. I hope that, you know, we don't have too much civil unrest, but, uh, you know, I've, family and friends in other cities that are saying they're seeing the warning signs all over. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to take this discussion off the rails already, but I mean, I guarantee you that Congress is not going to have hearings about that violence uh, following the Dobbs <laughs> right. decision and, you know, what, you know, the purpose of that violence and, and the intent of the, the, of the rioters and nor did they do anything in the summer of 2020 yeah. when we had, yeah. you know, so many police officers in so many cities uh, injured, hurt, um, and just, you know, chaos and anarchy. But, but you're right. I mean, the, the left has really done a good job of having a small, violent, vocal minority uh, yeah. That's menacing. That that menaces. Uh, you know, if you remember uh, when I was at the Department of Justice this last time, you had um, you know Maxine Waters, a member of Congress, saying, you know, go up and get in their faces, make them uncomfortable. Yeah. Talking about Trump's cabinet, and you know that is just that's you know we got to return to a place of civility where we actually we do. don't shout each other down, where we have discussions, we agree that some of these issues have to be resolved at the ballot box by the people. And, you know, politicians maybe need to start leading and expressing um, what they stand for. But this is the other thing that, you know, okay, I, this is a great discussion. You're just motivating me to sort of get deep in the recesses of, you know, my thoughts. But, you know, I think this is what the left's most scared of is actually having to compete on the issues for so long, including eight yeah. years of Obama. You know, they presented themselves as centrists and moderates and people that, you know, didn't really have this radical left wing agenda. But then they kind of governed from that place. Now, I think that's all been stripped away. You see it for exactly what it is, which is, um, you know, these big city elites that are uh, left leaning that are completely um, uh, not with the kind of mainstream of American culture and society. And, you know, the things they believe in, whether, you know, it's abortion up to the time of birth or whether it's you know kind of uh nameless faceless bureaucrats in washington dc being able to mandate vaccines or uh regulate every ditch and uh you know sometimes creek <laughs> um yeah. from washington dc it's just, it's it's um, you know i think we're really getting back to a restoration of the power to the people and acting by and through the representatives 
I, I hope so. I, I kind of marvel at the disdain that the elite sort of clubs in each of these large cities that, that they hold the rest of the country. And, 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 and yet when you peel away their, you know, their <clears throat> indignation, when you peel away and look at their arguments and the, you know, the, the basis for, for what they, they are pursuing, it falls apart. And I think you're right to acknowledge that they don't want to actually have a, a discussion on, on the merits. You know, I, you look at what happened in Uvalde, Texas, and the discussion is all centered on the left on things that they want to do with gun rights and not necessarily with protecting children. We're not having a meaningful discussion about what we can do as a country to protect our children. Um, because none of those measures in that bill, that they, the compromise gun bill, none of the measures the Democrats have been pushing would actually provide safety to those children. And, and, and that's what is alarming is that they're willing to you know, go a direction because politics is raging within them rather than be on the substance or the merits of an issue. And, and I, I don't know when that change occurred, but it, somehow in the last you know, 15, 20 years, um, they abandoned the, and maybe it's because they knew they were on the losing side on so many issues. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. I just got back from, uh, I've been campaigning in Iowa, I guess, I don't know, campaigning for what, giving speeches. I had Rick Rennell come out for a couple of days. Ah. And had him <laughs> that's great. Speak. Yeah, uh, what are you campaigning for? <laughs> I'm not. You know, I, that's going to be misconstrued by the people that you know love to watch this show. I'm not campaigning for anything. I was just going and helping some counties raise some money. Um, Franklin, Good. Dallas County, did a couple events for them, and went to. Well, that's where it's at. Is the local, yeah, no, it was, right? It was so good to not only see so many friends, um, and but to get around the state and hear what's on people's minds and. You know, I, I would say there, what is being reported nationally is exactly what they're concerned about. You know, it's inflation, it's, uh, including the price of gas is, is crushing a lot of families right now. It's, you know, things like baby formula shortages and, yep, yep. you know, things that, you know, not having you know, empty store shelves. I mean, that's that's a that's a that's a very concerning thing and creeping socialism. I mean, they're they're worried that yeah. every one of these sort of emergencies or, or you know, laws that are passed. Uh, are encroaching on their rights and their and their freedoms, and that's um, yeah. I think that's very well. Common. I hope the Democrats are suffering, you know, suicide by bad policy. I, I, I mean, I can't. I mean, you look at every policy that they are rolling out right now, uh, from you know what they're doing to gas uh, prices to the baby formula to the immigration issues, the fentanyl that's coming across, you know, the terrorism terrorists that are coming across our borders. There isn't a policy right now that they've weighed in on that they have a good idea. Or, or that they're pursuing a, a solid, you know, uh, ability to, to resolve the issue. I, I, I can't think of a, of a single issue. Yeah, I went to one event last night where my former uh, law partner, Jack Whitver, who's the Senate Majority Leader, had the governor, Kim Reynolds, and Jack said, you know, we have followed a fairly simple um, plan, which is we see what they're doing in Washington, D.C., and we do the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so, which you know, is probably not a bad idea. Um, it's a good idea, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, go ahead. I, I just, I would just quickly add, Matt, that 
I do have some hope, though. A lot of people ask me, is there hope? And I think it is from leaders like that across the country. And there, there are some great, you know, you know, leader, local leaders and, and state leaders that I think are going to save this country. And it's not going to come out of Washington, D.C. I couldn't agree with you more. And you look at states uh, like your home state of Utah, my home state of Iowa, places that are a long way from Washington, D.C. And I think, you know, the people uh, get it. You know, there's more yeah. common sense and just a belief in the individual's, uh, you know, uh, ability to take care of themselves and, uh, you know, but not ignoring uh, when people have needs. And so it's, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Um, let's go back. We, we mentioned the Dobbs case, which is the um, you know the abortion case that's pending. It could come out any day. Um, you know the draft opinion was leaked. Uh, I expect it'll be different uh, from the final draft. But you know where I for me the whole question is where is Roberts going to come out on this? I think you know in in these this uh, recent gun case that came out. Um, he was in the majority, and but he didn't write the opinion. What, and we I guess we know from the leaked opinion that uh, Alito wrote uh, the majority opinion in Dobbs. But where do you what do you think Roberts does in such a, a hot button kind of you know passionate uh, partisan issue? Yeah, you know, great question. I, I I don't think that Roberts will be with Alito. Um, you know, if he was before the leak, I don't think he will after. And, and, and that's sort of, you know, bad to say, but I've never seen him as a profile in courage. I was uh, actually working in the Senate Judiciary Committee when his nomination came through. Yeah, and, and we I were remember told that he was a conservative. Yep, yep. I remember joking with the conservative. <laughs> I was joking with uh, Reed O'Connor at the time, who's now a federal judge in Texas, and uh, I said, you know, I, I kind of got a feeling that, that this guy is way too smooth. He was just untouchable in his hearing, and um, he had an answer that satisfied everyone, and I said, that doesn't seem to me that, uh, you know, a, a hardcore conservative is getting put on the court if he's, you know, if he's not upset, upsetting or riling up the left and, and Reed agreed. And it turns out it was it was true. Every tough issue Roberts has disappointed. Yeah. Um, you know, so we'll see. We'll see what he does. But, um, yeah. you know, there's there's hope that it's more than a five four. But, um, you know, I doubt it. Yeah. I would agree. I share your pessimism for uh, where Roberts is going to come out. Hopeful that maybe he joins in the outcome, but you know, sort of yeah, creates his yeah, own concurrence. framework. But you know, I thought I thought Alito's opinion, and quite frankly, Thomas's opinion in this uh, in this Second Amendment case, were very both well were phenomenal. I would encourage yeah. even non-lawyers to go read these opinions when they're available because. Uh, you know, I, I like to say I'm a lawyer because I can read, but I mean, there's, you know, obviously I know how to, it fits together and understand yeah. how the system works. However, I think every citizen should read these important Supreme Court cases because they'll understand, um, you know, the reasoning and logic behind it. Yeah, and I, I wish more that are on the left would actually read them. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I would venture a guess nine out of ten that are going to be rioting or picketing or doing I will not read the the decision. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So what um, what keeps you busy right now, Brad? What are you uh, What are you up to? I know you have your ranch that you like to spend a lot of time on. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, your, I do. Twitter. I, I haven't. 
<laughs> I haven't been spending as much time as I'd like to with the horses. Um, you know, Matt, I, I guess I never thought, I, I loved my time in DOJ and, you know, spent over a decade as an AUSA and then uh, four years as a U.S. attorney and, and loved that. I, I never really thought, though, I would have a job that I enjoyed more. And I think I do now. I'm, I'm executive director of Right on Crime, which is a conservative organization that that really wants to change the criminal justice system, but not like the left has been doing. Instead, you know, I think there are adjustments and changes that can be made where we preserve public safety. And and that's that's been fun for me to, to work with governors like Governor Stitt in Oklahoma and Governor Reeves in Mississippi and, you know, Governor DeSantis and Governor Abbott. These are well-meaning conservatives who know that the criminal justice system needs accountability. Um, we certainly need to punish bad and violent criminals, but every you know American in this country has had a touch with the criminal justice system or someone close to them has. And so I think we all know that we can't continue down this path of you know, such high incarceration without an emphasis on reducing the crime rate and recidivism. Yeah. And, and so that's our focus. And, you know, I'll continue to do it until I guess I'm more gray and, and uh, you know, something else comes Even along. Furrier, but I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a little fur here. <laughs> yeah. I just, I wonder if like criminal justice reform is the right term for the projects that you work on, or, you know, because, you know, I think. Yeah, I think yeah, we've strayed away from it. Yeah, because, I think we've seen. You know, what sort of these Soros prosecutors in places like San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, yeah. Washington, D.C., how they have really perverted the banner of criminal justice reform into something that is really anti-public safety more than yeah. you know, criminal justice reform. It, it is putting, you know, demoralizing the police. You know, you have the New York prosecutor, just as one example, um, you know, detaining or, or not prosecuting. 80% of the gun crimes and yeah. yet they have you know shooting problem well I mean that I, I you know I, I, the logic makes no sense if you want to you know get trigger pullers off the streets you should prosecute the people that have guns illegally yeah I mean you look at Gascon in, in LA you look at New York and San Francisco there this isn't reform what it is is it is uh, an overtaking of those positions by individuals who have a fundamental core problem with the fabric of this country and and so they go into the job and they decide you know hey here's a cross-section of the population that's been picked on historically by the police and by prosecutors. So now we'll cut them slack and we're not going to prosecute anything. And, and what you see is a lot of those are, you know, communities of color where they're actually asking for more police presence and better prosecutions in these communities because crime rises so fast and they become victims of, of those crimes. And it's an ignorant and, and offensive position, I think, to for you and me who, who value what we did as prosecutors, it's, mm -hmm. it's very offensive to watch them sort of tout this as enlightened you know, efforts on their part when we know if you can't keep your community safe, the basic function of government has failed. Right, right, I agree. So we're, Right on Crime's a national organization. Um, you've been running it for, I think, a couple of years now almost. Yeah, we are, you know, we're in 11 states. When I started, we were in five. We hope to be in over 20 states. And our goal is to be in all the conservative states. 
we, we want to be there first because we think conservatives ought to be the ones that take control of you know making any change or holding the justice system accountable and you know a lot of people don't realize you can you can reduce crime and reduce recidivism um, through listening and learning from all the other states that are working on these issues. I mean, the First Step Act that you and I were part of working on, that came as a result of some changes in Texas where they incentivized inmates to um, work some of their time off by, you know, bettering themselves and, you know, getting job training and education. And and that was, you know, brilliant. Uh, and and I think, you know, President Trump was right to to try to do that on a national scale. Yeah, and we know, I mean, this is the, the nice thing about the federal uh, Department of Justice is you have, um, you know, the Bureau of Justice Statistics and, and, and you have data and you can see yeah. outcomes uh, after you put people through programs. And that's, you know, I think one of the most important things and one of the things that, you know, I I think I was a voice for is, you know, we, you know, th- th- I agree, let's, let's let people get, you know, better themselves, teach them skills. Um, so, you know, we know that the way to reduce recidivism is, you know, obviously job training, which mm-hmm. is a huge emphasis right now in the conservative uh, version of criminal justice reform and drug treatment and, you know, kind of life skills. I mean, those are so important. You know, a lot of these people don't have, uh, you know, the ability to function in society because they never learned, um, you know, how to take care of themselves, how to resolve conflict, those kind of things. So. Yeah, you know, we just started a program uh, where we're, you know, we've done it in Mississippi. Uh, we're going to do it in Florida here soon. We've done it in Kentucky and in Texas. And it's very simple. We, we, we pull together leaders of companies in the area, large and small companies, and we bring them in and we have them meeting with folks that are in corrections, folks that are in, in you know, groups that are involved in, you know, reentry reform and, and that. Mm-hmm. And their whole focus is just how do we employ more of those that are getting out of out of prison? And they have just exploded with enthusiasm. I see these leaders of, of massive companies that have been participating with us on this and saying, "Hey, we have a huge you know workforce shortage, and this is going to answer a lot of our problems." And, and and so it's things like that that can be done, and you're not compromising; you're increasing public safety. Right. right. Well, I mean. That's you know you're doing you're doing great work. I'm proud to call you my friend. I look forward to coming Likewise. out and uh, being at your ranch sometime soon. Last time I was out, we just weren't <laughs> able to connect, but we will. Uh, yeah, look forward. We will to do it. it again soon. I love the mountains in the summer, especially, and uh, I look forward to it. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. And this is Liberty and Justice. You can catch us Fridays 7 p.m. CPAC now. Otherwise, at Whitaker.tv or anywhere podcasts can be found. Until next time.